Hello and welcome to Well Wisconsin Radio, a podcast discussing health and well-being topics with experts from all around the state of Wisconsin. My name is Morgan Minan. My guest today is Alicia Canavera. Alicia is a health coach with WebMD Health Services. She has a Bachelor's of Science degree in Social Work and Human Behavior, along with being an ACSM Physical Activity and Public Health Specialist. Alicia has over 20 years of experience in the health and wellness field, and her expertise really shines during this interview. Her and I are going to talk about a lot of great practical tips for understanding and coping with stress, and she'll even guide us through a relaxing deep breathing exercise at the very end of the episode, so make sure you stay tuned. Alicia, thanks so much for joining me today on Well Wisconsin Radio. I'm really excited to talk to you about stress management. I am definitely glad to be here. This is one of the topics that I enjoy talking about and I think is really important to dive into so people have some opportunities to learn some new tools to use. I totally agree. And as we get started today, I wondered if we could start first by just helping to explain what stress is. I think sometimes there's a misconception about stress. They Oftentimes, people will think it's what's happening to them. But it's actually more about how our body and our mind is reacting to different situations that we feel could be harmful or threatening to us. And then what happens is our body has this natural flight or fight response that kind of prepares us to deal with that situation or that stressor whether it's a tiger chasing us or getting stuck in traffic on your way to some type of an event, um, we have a response that just naturally happens. Yeah, and I think that you talked about reactions there in in your description, and I think that's so true. And I think when people think about stress, a lot of times they think about symptoms. And a lot of times those symptoms will fall into those emotional or physical categories, like feeling overwhelmed or maybe having low energy. I wondered if you could talk about some of the other symptoms that people might experience as a result of having more stress in their life that maybe are more cognitive or behavioral. Absolutely. Well, first of all, physically, I think there's, you know, a number of symptoms that can happen to us that that fight or flight response that I just mentioned, that heart rate increases, maybe you start to breathe a little more rapid, a little more shallow, muscles even get tight. I know for me, I clench my jaw, but there's so much more that happens in the body. The physical symptoms are typically the ones that we notice first, but symptoms like pretty persistent worrying or racing thoughts or forgetfulness. Um, Sometimes it can be really difficult to just focus on things, focus on a task at hand because your mind begins to wander. Another big one is negative thinking, um, even to the point of catastrophizing for some people. And with our behaviors, we might start noticing things in, in a more physical way like appetite, Sometimes people eat anything and everything in sight when they're stressed out, but other people find that they just can't eat anything. It just makes them feel kind of sick. Some other symptoms, and this might not often come forward as a symptom, but procrastination 
oftentimes we delay doing some of the things that we need to do. And that might be related to maybe feeling overwhelmed or having that low energy. Also, another common behavior that people will turn to is using alcohol, using drugs to help uh, with managing the symptoms, but it can actually be a symptom um, just because of that, that overuse of it. And then, of course, different nervous behaviors. Those can range from, you know, for everybody from like fidgeting to like, you know, I think about people that bite their lip or twirl their hair or pick at their nails. So different cognitive and different behavioral symptoms creep up for people at different times and maybe even during different stressful situations. Yeah, really great point. Um, I'm a hair twirler. So somewhere out there, my husband's listening to this and laughing because (laughs) (laughs) something that we joke about. But it, it definitely seems like our stress response is connected to our own thoughts and behaviors and emotions, and also that it's really going to vary from person to person. And that's why I am so excited to have you here on the show today, because I love that you always bring forward a lot of great ideas that people can use to develop their own personal toolbox. And I want—I wondered if you could maybe help us to understand how our patterns of thinking can help affect, or, or rather can do affect, our response to stress. Absolutely. What causes stress or what feels like stress, I should say, to one person could be of little concern to another person. And some people are just better able to handle the stress than others. Um, And stress really comes from our perception of the situations that we're in. We talked about that earlier. Um, And I think it's important to remember that not all stress is bad stress. Um, Even things that are fun and exciting and happening in our lives can lead to some of those feelings of stress, feelings of overwhelm, and lead into some of those symptoms that we talked about. But it really comes back to our perception, not not necessarily the situation, but our perception of, of what we're experiencing can make it make it stressful, make it feel stressful. And sometimes our thinking about a situation can be right, but sometimes it can be wrong. I think the real goal is to not allow the stress to get so chronic, meaning it happens over a long period of time, that it leads to a bigger impact on our health. I wanted to share a little example. Um, over the weekend, it snowed. Yesterday, it snowed again, and we are so ready for spring. But I woke up in the morning, got on social media, and all I saw were complaints about the snow. Everybody's ready for green grass and sunshine and flowers. So I had to really quickly remind myself that I can choose to join them and see the negative, feel the negative, allow this new blanket of snow to really stress me out, or I can choose to see the positives. I know that this new blanket of snow is going to be what's nourishing the flowers to come. That's going to help the lakes and the rivers fill up. Um, And I think it really just comes back to having a choice, making that choice, 
um, and understanding that you do have a choice in how you feel and experience different stressors in your life. I think that's a really great example and uh, really got me thinking as well because I also (laughs) woke up to snow myself and my first reaction was similar to what you were reading on social media where I was so disappointed and just ready for some sunshine, ready for some warm weather and to put winter behind. But I have two little boys and when they woke up, their response was so different. They were very excited because they know that they're not going to get to play in the snow for very much longer. So they were able to get their snow pants back out and their boots and they went out and they built a snowman, (laughs) an April snowman. So so I think that that's a really great point. And you can see kind of two different examples where you have, you know, somebody who's dwelling on it and somebody who's making the most out of the situation. And I think that is, you know, part of, of what happens in stress responses. So what are some other ideas that you have for people that they can help themselves to get out of that pattern of thinking? Well, first of all, it really is easy to get into a negative pattern of thinking. Um, So to think that you're alone, if you do have that negative thought that creeps up first, you're not. Um, But there are certainly some things that you can do to start focusing on more positive or more healthful thinking. First of all, focus on the things that you do have control over. We clearly had no control over the snow, but we could stop and think about what was going on, ask ourselves, is this worth it to think so negatively, and then choose a different thought about it. Um, So again, focusing on what you can control and putting aside the things that you cannot control, which is definitely much easier said than done. (laughs) But um, when you can start to recognize how some of these thoughts impact our behaviors and our emotions, it can be really enlightening. It can really help to lead towards making some different decisions about how we see a situation. I think another thing that very much relates into these pieces is self-talk. How we talk to ourselves is completely invaluable. This means just focusing on healthier thinking. Um, If you think positively, you're more likely to feel positive. If you think negatively, you're probably more likely to feel bad, to feel negative. And the thing about positive thinking, there's actually research out there that says that it can help you to improve your health. It can actually help to decrease some of the stress that you're experiencing. So I cannot say enough about how we're talking to ourselves about uh, what we're feeling and how we can approach the way that we manage situations. Really great points, especially that last one on on monitoring your self-talk. I know that that can be so powerful. And I think that you made such a great point, which is that If you think negatively, you're most likely going to feel negative. And if you think positively, obviously that can affect your mood as well. I wanted to talk a little bit about things that we can do every day. So focusing in on well-being or maybe building some coping mechanisms. A lot of what we're talking about here kind of falls into that behavior change, right? Where Mm -hmm. you're helping us to recognize some of the things that might be happening when we're having these stressful responses. So I wanted to move into what are some things that we could build into our everyday life things that can help us to reduce that stress or improve our response to it. So I'll share a couple of ideas to help focusing on 
improving stress. But I really want to put out a disclaimer for maybe a reminder for myself and for anybody else that's listening today. You don't have to take these on all at one time. This is not an opportunity for you to judge if you're doing well or not. But think about um, a way to improve, even a very small step. But I think it always starts out with eating well. (laughs) Always goes back to that because I feel like well-nourished bodies are better prepared to handle and to manage stress. So starting with, you know, having a well-balanced diet, you know, including things like complex carbohydrates, your fruits, your vegetables, your whole grains, your lean protein, and healthy fats, because that's what helps the brain. Um, Also making sure that you're eating regularly. When we talked about those symptoms earlier, some people will eat all of the things, while some people have really difficult time finding anything to eat when they're stressed out. So making sure that you're eating regularly is going to help you to regulate your blood sugar levels a little better and help you to avoid some of those highs and lows, which can impact um, our body in a very big way. And then, of course, water, (laughs) because your body needs water just as much as it needs food. So if you're listening, take a sip. This is a good time to make sure that you're staying hydrated. Another important area is sleep. I cannot say enough about sleep. A rested body and a rested mind are going to help you to withstand the stress that you're experiencing. So this is a time when those tired muscles and the brain can have the opportunity to rest and repair. Another one of my top three exercise. Now, I should put it open to physical activity. It's really important to find activities that you find to be enjoyable to help you move your body. Exercise is known, I should say physical activity, um, is known to help your body to relieve tension, which we know is one of those symptoms when you're experiencing stress. I, for one, bring my shoulders up to my ears. I need to make sure to relax those muscles. Um, Plus, when you are moving your body, especially with exercise, when you can get your heart rate up, um, your body releases endorphins, which are chemicals in the body that help you to feel good. And they can even have a sense of pain relief for, for a lot of people. I think those tend to be the top three that people are pretty familiar with. We're always going to talk about eating well, sleeping well, and exercise, but that's not it. Um, I think that there's other opportunities like just taking some time to decompress. And for some people, maybe that's in the morning where the house is quiet, or maybe it's in the afternoon when you start to feel overwhelmed with all of the tasks at hand during the day, or maybe it's in the evening where you just take a moment, shut the door, just for a couple of minutes and and find time where you can just be aware of your body, um, be aware of your thoughts and allow yourself to just take some downtime. Some people find that it's, you know, their tool for managing stress is talking with other people. Um, So having social connections can help you to feel less isolated this 
has been and can continue to be essential as we're, you know, dealing with a pandemic. People need to feel connected with friends, with peers, and um, coworkers to make sure that they've got someone that they know that they can turn to. But that's not, you know, the only outlet. Some people prefer to share their thoughts with like a journal. It's definitely a good way to release some thoughts. Um, It doesn't have to be, you know, a bunch of paragraphs about everything that you're experiencing. I like to suggest journaling as maybe it's just a word that you put down for the day that, you know, explains how you're feeling or a sentence or a phrase I'll sometimes even suggest to people to draw what you're feeling or doodle what you're feeling. I think the biggest thing to remember is do what you enjoy because that way you're more likely to continue doing it. Some of these things are not things that everybody enjoys. Not everybody likes the idea of exercise. So, you know, maybe it's one of those things where you turn on some music that you really enjoy. And you go out for a walk because walking is still physical activity and exercise. When you start doing those things, make sure that you reward yourself. Rewards can be really powerful. Um, And I don't mean, oh, I just moved my body, so I'm going to go out and eat some chocolate cake or something. Maybe it's rewarding yourself with that connection with somebody else. Or maybe it's, you know, buying some new shoes so that you can continue to go walking or downloading some new music so that you've got some things to clean to, dance to, move to. Uh, There's no right or wrong way to reward yourself. And there's really no one size fits all way to manage your stress. What works for one person may not work for another, may not even work for a different situation. So remember, you don't have to do them all. But you also don't have to just do one. And that's important to remember to find what works for you and and continue to try doing and try using new techniques in different situations. I think that's such great advice. And I think especially feeding into that social part, I think to your point, people find what works for them. But sometimes I think talking with others letting others know that it's something that you're working on. Sometimes people share things and give you suggestions that you would have never thought of yourself. So I love that idea of kind of trying to crowdsource and use that as a way to also support your social engagement. I wanted to share when you mentioned writing in a journal, it reminded me I had a good friend who purchased a journal for me that was just one sentence a day. It's five years um, and it's called Happiness for Mothers. It's by Gretchen Rubin. And I know Mother's Day is coming up, so I felt like this was a good time to to kind of be plugging this one. But I love it because, like you said, I'm not writing paragraphs, but I'm writing a sentence a day about maybe something that I experienced or a milestone that one of my kiddos hit or something funny that they said. And it has been so rewarding for me to go back in. Now, I'm not going to say I've been great about writing in it every single day, um, but I do give myself some grace. And when I do go back and reflect on the things that I've written, it brings me so much joy. So I thought that was a really great suggestion. Well, and I think it's also important to remember, you don't have to be perfect with every tool that you're using or every tool that you're trying. You don't want 
this to be counterproductive and stress you out more. We want it to be something that you really enjoy and can continue to use um, alongside of trying new things as you need them. Right. And that's a perfect transition into my next question, which is on relaxation techniques, because we want (laughs) stress management to be relaxing, right? And I know part of these coping mechanisms, while you've talked about a lot of practicality, I know that there are some really good relaxation techniques that people can use. Could you help us to maybe understand those and how they can fit into the overall plan of stress management? Absolutely. So I would say the top three that we hear about when it comes to relaxation would be your deep breathing. And there's a number of different types of deep breathing. Um, There's also a tool called progressive muscle relaxation and guided imagery alongside of meditation. So with deep breathing, That's just making sure that you are taking the opportunity to focus on your breath. Um, There's different tools. There's different techniques with deep breathing as far as how long you're inhaling and exhaling. And we're going to maybe test one of them out a little bit later. But um, it's that's another area to to experiment with um, as far as some of the different types. Progressive muscle relaxation is another one of my favorites. Um, This is a tool where you are tightening up one of the muscle groups and then releasing it slowly. I like to incorporate breathing with progressive muscle relaxation. And with this particular tool, I typically will start at the head and move down with the muscle groups to the toes. So you might start even with your face, like scrunching up your face and releasing the tension in your face slowly. Um, You know, bringing, like I said earlier, when I get stressed, my shoulders end up to my ears. So I might actually, you know, take a minute to bring my shoulders up, tense up those shoulder muscles for just, you know, 10, 15, 20 seconds, and then slowly release them. One of the perfect times that I think you can do progressive muscle relaxation is when you're getting ready for bed um, because it's just a great way to be aware of your body, where you're holding stress. And um, of course, you can just be more aware um, and work from, you know, head to toe or toe to head, whatever, whatever you prefer. The other tool uh, is guided imagery. So this is um, a tool that you can use um, with, you know, listening to a recording. Um, I've had some people, you know, have like a book that they read of guided imagery. An example would be, you know, being at a stream and watching the ripples and watching, um, you know, what's around that stream and what you're hearing and what you're seeing is kind of engaging those senses and understanding, um, of course, the purpose is relaxation. So you want to focus on a guided imagery that really relates to you and helps you to feel um, good about what you're experiencing. Kind of with that would be meditation. Um, Sometimes people have a struggle with meditation because 
we come into meditation with a lot of things on our mind, um, a lot of things going on around us. So it can be very difficult to feel like you can be successful at it. So when people are starting to explore things, especially like meditation, I'll encourage them to start really slowly and know you don't have to be perfect at it. Um, You know, maybe it's just taking a minute or two minutes where you're just pausing and breathing in and out, um, really being aware. So mindful meditation, being aware of your body or being aware of the senses, each of the senses that we have. Um, The good news is with guided imagery and with meditation, there are lots of recordings that are out there that can help to make it a little bit easier to take that couple of minutes, whether it's, you know, two minutes, five minutes, or 30 minutes to do a meditation. Um, And all of these things take practice, Um, just a little bit at a time. Uh, can really help you to bring some of these different techniques into play. Yeah, I'm thinking the guided imagery might have been really helpful when it snowed the other day. <laughs> you just wake up, get a picture of a warm, sunny beach in your head, and just do a couple minutes to recenter yourself and <laughs> bring some warmth into your own body. <laughs> I would definitely agree with that, yes. <laughs> Alicia, you've been so helpful in helping us better understand stress and how to manage it better in our lives. I wanted to circle back to the fact that you're a health coach by trade. And if somebody listening recognizes that they would like to work on their stress management, maybe on a deeper level beyond some of the personal recommendations that you've brought forward, maybe they're thinking, I've tried those or I'm looking for new fresh ideas. How would a health coach be able to help support them? And could you give us an idea of maybe what that conversation would look like and what kind of questions you might ask? Absolutely. I, uh, absolutely love health coaching. I have my own. (laughs) Um, I find it to be a great tool for accountability, for support, for resources. Um, When it comes to taking a coaching call and focusing on stress, I think one of the benefits is that coaches can help you to really identify what you're experiencing. What are your stressors? And that might be one of those questions that they ask you. What is causing you stress right now. Um, They would, you know, ask other questions about where do you consider your stress level to be right now? And and how well do you feel like you're actually managing that stress? Because some people have really high levels of stress and maybe feel like they're not managing at all, or maybe they're managing it very well. Um, But a coach is going to help you to explore things like What's actually helped you in the past or what kind of support have you used or do you have right now to help you be successful with with managing what you're experiencing? And coaches will help you to work on identifying just some small changes that you're actually ready to start working on. And I think that's key. Coaches aren't going to tell you things that you have to do or that you should do. Coaches are going to explore some of the things that you're interested in working on and maybe give a little instruction or a little guidance or some of the resources on what would help you to apply that tool or that goal. We want to help you with being successful. That's the ultimate goal. And it's always been my priority to emphasize whatever strengths that you have and and strengths that you want to build on. So 
you know, if you need additional support, we want to make sure that we can guide you, give you the steps and ask you the who, what, where, when, how and why and really help you to think about what's going to help you to stay consistent when you get started with it. What's going to help you to overcome challenges when you start working on pulling in some of these new techniques? Yeah, I think a lot of times when people think about working with a health coach, they think of those more mainstream topics like losing weight or increasing their physical activity. But I always think about stress as sometimes the thing that gets in the way of achieving those goals. And I wondered if you've noticed the same or if you have an example of a time when you coached someone who thought they wanted to work on a different goal, but it ended up that they really stress management was kind of what they needed most. I would say when I am working with people who are wanting to make changes, it's not uncommon that stress comes up as one of the biggest challenges. And related to that, I would say time. Time becomes one of the biggest challenges. But as you mentioned this, one of the um, one of the times that I was working with somebody um, kind of popped into my mind. I started working with somebody who initially wanted to start losing weight because that's always you know a, an area that people want to make sure that they're doing better with. They want to make sure that they're losing weight to stay healthy. Um, this this person that I was working with, she was determined to feel better in a uniform. That was one of her primary motivators for making changes. And after we talked for a bit and we started talking a little bit about some of the things that were making it difficult for her to be successful with weight loss, it seemed that there was definitely a theme of of challenges with, um, with stress. She found, first of all, we identified some of the symptoms, um, things that I heard from her. She was, you know, falling into that either overeating or not eating at all. Procrastination was another one. And she found that she was really struggling with staying consistent with sleep. They're staying up too late, um, or struggling to get up in the morning. Um, and we came back to a challenge that, of course, the COVID-19 pandemic had crept up. Um, and there was a recent loss that she experienced. So after we identified some of the things that, you know, she was dealing with, we were able to start prioritizing some of the things that she was most ready to work on. And because she's somebody that had been a consistent exerciser in the past and she remembered the benefits that she experienced out of that, we had to work on um, developing a plan. She was kind of an <laughs> into that all or nothing thinking. Like if I can't get out and do my three to five mile run, then it's not exercise. So we came back to all right, let's break it down. In order to start moving, you've got to start moving. And um, even if it was just moving around a little bit more in her apartment or getting outside uh, to do some walking, which is not always easy, you know, when we're 
you know, talking about getting exercise outside in the winter. Um, but eventually, when she was able to start implementing some of these things, um, she started noticing some of those benefits again of the physical activity. And it was kind of a chain reaction that it started impacting her sleep, started impacting her eating habits, it started impacting her stress, and then she started seeing the benefit with the weight loss. But it had to start with taking small steps and understanding what was causing her to not make progress. And it all came back to to the stress. And, and she knew that she had always felt better when she was more physically active. Um, so I, I always remember that because of how things evolved with this particular person that I was working with. That's a great example. And I think like you mentioned, and I have a health coach myself as well, just that accountability partner, that person who's working with you on that goal, that person who's helping you to recognize things that you maybe weren't recognizing in yourself or allowing you the opportunity to experience your emotions, to experience, in that case, grief, to experience the stress, to experience um, the loss and things that have come along with the pandemic. I love that idea that you're a partner with them, helping them work towards these goals that overall are improving so many different elements of well-being, which is obviously why we're here in, in producing this, which is just to help people and get this information out in front. So with that, as we wrap up and before we get into our exercise, do you have any other advice or resources for listeners to learn more about stress management or health coaching? First stop, I would always recommend for those who have access to the Well Wisconsin portal, check it out. There's so many great resources on there from the Daily Habits program to videos and articles about stress. Um, to the opportunity to actually connect with a coach um, through the messaging or by scheduling your call right through the portal. So I would say that that would definitely be the place that I would steer people to to get more information and get started on on managing their stress, especially within the Well Wisconsin program. Awesome. Well, Alicia is going to walk us through a square breathing exercise now to close out the show today. So I'm very excited and I'm going to turn it over to you to lead us into this exercise. Well, as I had mentioned earlier, there are a number of different tools for or different types of deep breathing. And one of my favorite types is square breathing. What I love about square breathing is that you can do this anywhere. You can do it anytime, but it can really help to get proactive with an activity like this by creating, you know, a relaxing environment, a time when you set aside to do this. So today we'll go through this technique. I want to encourage you to take just a couple of seconds to allow yourself to get comfortable, um, comfortable in your chair. If you can lower the lights or if you want to light a candle or an incense or whatever makes your um, heart happy, <laughs> you could lie down, you could sit in whatever position feels relaxing to you. If you're on the floor, um, you may be sitting with your legs crossed or with your hands across your knees. If you're sitting in a chair like me, you can let your feet 
be flat on the floor and, you know, relax your hands in your lap. What I want you to do is start with visualizing a square. Four equal sides with four equal inhalations and exhalations. We'll breathe through the nose and in through the mouth with a pause between each breath. So I'm going to go ahead and guide you for the first couple, and then I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to practice on your own. So first of all, get comfortable. I want you to breathe in through your nose to the count of four. Hold it for four. And breathe out through your mouth to the count of four. Pause your breath for the count of four. And let's go through this again. I want you to breathe in through your nose to the count of four. Hold your breath gently for a count of four and breathe out through your mouth to the count of four. Wait for the count of four. Visualize that square and go through that technique a couple of times by yourself. What I like about this technique is that you have that visualization. You can see the four equal sides. Again, you can do this anywhere. You can do this anytime. Nobody has to know that you're taking a pause in your day to do some deep breathing. Um, but I think that this is one of the simpler techniques because the breath in to four makes it a little simpler, knowing that there's you know, four, a count of four with each breath um, and exhalation that you're taking. Yeah, that was great. And one of the best things about podcasts is that if you're not in a space to be doing the deep breathing right now, you can always <laughs> rewind and go back later. So that's right. That's right. You'll, you'll have that in your back pocket if you ever want somebody to guide you through just a simple deep breathing exercise. So Alicia, thanks again so much for being my guest today on Well Wisconsin Radio. It's been a pleasure talking with you. Thank you for having me. Thanks so much for listening today. I hope you enjoyed the show. For those of you listening in as part of the Well Wisconsin program, the code for this episode is STRESS. For a transcript, to take our survey, or to find previous episodes, visit webmdhealthservices.com slash wellwisconsinradio. You can also subscribe to the show on the podcast platform of your choice so you never miss an episode. Until next time, take care.